Baseball season's almost here, and there's never been a better time to check out DraftKings.com, America's favorite daily fantasy baseball site, where you could win huge cash prizes every day. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitment. Every time you play, it's like a new season. Head to DraftKings.com now and use code ATHLETE to play for free in the opening day $100,000 fantasy baseball contest. First place takes home ten grand. Enter ATHLETE for free entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. And now, The Moment with Brian Koppelman. Hey, this is The Moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. Rob Morrow is today's guest. Rob has the distinction, it's a rare distinction, uh, of being a guy who starred in not one but two long-running and successful television series, Northern Exposure and then Numbers. He's also the star of one of my favorite movies of all time, Quiz Show. And uh, we recorded this interview about a month ago. Normally I do these introductions before they walk in, but um, the intro got lost somehow, so I'm doing it afterwards. And uh, I'm glad I can and say this uh, now. Uh, Rob... Um, is an incredibly gifted person, an incredibly hard-working person, and uh, at times um, he's had a, a difficult time um, uh, with the people who've written or created the things he's, he's appeared in. Um, and uh, I think he explains himself incredibly well in this, explains the way he thinks through these situations, explains why it's a part of his process, and, uh, and talks about his childhood in a way that lets me really understand um, uh, who he is and, and why he became the person he is. And I left this interview um, admiring him even more in, in many ways. Uh, I hope you dig it. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me. Uh, my email address is themomentbk at gmail.com. As you know, don't send me any scripts, any TV ideas, any movie ideas. Um, if you do do that, uh, I will not only delete your emails, but I'll print them out and then set them all on fire. Okay, Rob Morrow is here. Thanks for listening, and uh, I'll see you on the other side. Hey, I'm, I'm sitting here with Rob Morrow, who, um, you know, I just did a little introduction for you, and I, I said, and it's true, that... And we're going to talk about Quiz Show probably. Uh, your, and your daughter's here in the next room, and I'm sure she's heard people come up to you and quote Quiz Show lines um, Look, she's not even endlessly. Listening. <laughs> That's oh, fine. Um, Can you hear us? I was just saying, Absolutely. I'm sure people have come up to you and quoted Quiz Show. Like you've seen people quote Quiz Show to your dad many, many times. Um, but I was just saying, you know, you're one of the few people, I mean, in the history of the business, you can sort of, in our lifetimes, who've, who've been the centerpiece of two really separate big hit television shows right um yeah i'm lucky well yeah it's it's an uh, you can maybe it's lucky you obviously collaborated with really good people but um but yes it's fine it's funny to me that street time in the in the center of that which wasn't as you know wasn't as successful even though you did what two seasons or yeah, three we did 33 seasons, 33 episodes but that it was just a little ahead of its time and and i don't think and, and it was in it got caught up in the transitional politics of showtime transferring from jerry offsay who ran it for 20 years or some crazy number to um uh green black green right and i'm the where we are now is the whole different and that group guy i can't i'm dying to work with david david Nevin's the best he is He's so up awesome. my alley i mean he, he that's a that's a great home to be and uh, I keep pitching there and, and have you uh, sat down with David 
I mean, I've sat down with him, yeah, and and I've definitely pitched over there a number of times, uh, different shows. I'm probably getting ready to go back with something again soon. Well, um, you're probably just hooked up with the wrong producers, but we can fix that. There now. you go. <laughs> so that it all, you walk in. If you got to walk in under the right auspices, Mara. Believe me, I've learned that's that what lesson. Has to happen, my, my, man. my next, my next uh, project is with Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, Harvey and I have a great history together. Yeah, I like Harvey. Uh, but so, yeah, he can certainly get in any of the rooms. Um, but it's interesting. Does, uh, does the fact that Street Time didn't hit, like, kind of bug you more than the fact that these other things have been such big successes? Because you feel like it was a missed opportunity. You love that character. It was a heartbreak. It was one of the few heartbreaks I've had because I did. I love the character. I love the world. I love more than anything the way we made it, which was a good 50 to sometimes 60, 70, 60% improv. Um, scenes were beaded out really clearly and a lot of the dialogue was kind of, you know, I wrote a lot of mine before I came in, but then we kind of riff around it and, um, uh, that process of discovery and spontaneity, very run and gun, handheld, um, I, I love. Well, yeah, I mean, you bring that up, um, which I was going to bring up later, but the fact that you like, you, you gravitate to it. First of all, I mean, if that show didn't, if that show had happened more, and gone another season, maybe numbers wouldn't happen, which obviously numbers for a lot of reasons was a great thing for you. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, though I imagine not the same amount of room. No way. I'm the antithesis. It's 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 not that kind of procedural is not my favorite thing. Ultimately, the cool thing about numbers was I'd never played that that archetype hero guy who comes in and saves the day. So, you know, and so many of my heroes growing up, Redford, ironically enough, you know, those kind of parts that they played, you know, was, a, it was always like a fantasy. So to do, to step into that was fun. Um, you know, I'm not a gun guy at all, but, but I got off on shooting guns. Sure. No, and I think Nick and Cheryl are very smart. Oh, yeah. And they came sure. up with something really smart Absolutely. and pulled it off for all those years. But I know you were chafing against sort of like the, the being – constricted in that way and I like I said I was going to ask you about it later but you you brought up the improvisational thing how do you now how do you weigh sort of as you now really know yourself and know what you like to do and don't how do you weigh opportunities based on that stuff because the the, the town wants you to show up yeah and and do the thing that they want you to do sometimes right? sometimes but like I just came off of Dennis Leary's new show and great that was that was the ultimate experience for me, the way they shot. You know, I mean, I kind of... Dennis wrote me great stuff, first of all. And, you know, it's really not... What I like to do is I like to make it... Because I have a sense of poetry. I write lyrics. I, I know dialogue yeah. well. I like to make it come off of my tongue really easily. That said, I also like to get rid of fat, you know. And some of the times I would have conflict with them on numbers was like... This is a little reductive, but, you know, we come in a scene and there's a guy, a cop, and he goes, there's the gun. And the other guy says, oh, so that's the gun. And then they have me saying, so is that the gun? You know, and I'm like, well, why don't I just nod? You know, it's like I, I, I love the spareness of cinema, um, you know, but I think what happened on numbers is they just eventually got it just they, they didn't. They, those those shows, they don't want the characters, at least then, to change much. So. Um, well, no, network television has certain demands. Or did. Uh, yeah, well, 22. But network television that that, that wants 22 right. episodes that are closed-ended. Yeah. It's a particular thing. And like that, that, that's what I was, I was curious about. Do you feel like, and then we're going to go back and talk about your, your whole whole deal, because there are some incredible moments in your in your life and how this all started for you. But do you feel that like the people who create stuff, and I'm not talking about 
necessarily, you know, like Nick and Cheryl, who I think are awesome, but like uh, understand creators, directors, producers generally understand what it takes for an actor to do the thing that the actor does. And what, if not, what do they misunderstand? Uh, I know. No, I think it's a mystery because it's why a lot of, you know, I direct a lot of TV and actors get so high when I come on because I can take care of them. I understand what they're going through. And, and it's so rare that we get that. Um, there's a lot of great, genius, brilliant directors that don't have a clue how actors do it. And it doesn't stop them from making great works. But the when you get someone who can take you through the process, when you can go with them, when they can go with you and t make pull something out of you. That's better because what happens most of the time in the in the at least in the network world or even sometimes in the cable if it's not a really artistic environment is directors are intimidated by the actors someone of my stature so they don't really want to say much because they think they're going to say the wrong thing and so I end up kind of coasting on what I do whereas when someone comes in that understands that you want to you I, I come in. My rule of thumb is the best idea wins. I don't care where it comes from. I don't care who has it. And I'm hoping it comes as close to the moment of shooting as possible. That's where the moment of execution. You're trying to keep the whole thing in the air alive, the ball going. So something happens when we're shooting that no one thought. It happened the other night in Dennis Leary's show. A major plot point that was not conceived came out. A culmination of 10 episodes. I, wasn't in, I was in the scene, but... It was between John Corbett, ironically, right, and this lovely actress named Liz um, Liz Gillies. A, a moment of culmination for their characters after ten episodes that completely came out of improv. You know, it wasn't, and no one was trying to get that moment. But when it happened, Dennis Leary was like, "Oh my god, that was that was, that summed up the whole arc for us." And when that can happen and it can be filmed, that to me is the beauty of film versus stage, where you know you have to dial something in and you have to hit it on the same night after night. Right, which is on, you're saying on, on f something filmed bec because of the way in which stuff is shot, um, you can, and the other people can adjust, you can just have those moments happen and they're, and they're kind of blinding. And then on the other side, you have the people who are feeling, you're trying to get yourself in a place where you're not worried about the time pressures. You're not worried about any of it because you're trying to deliver the truth. In a right, way. right. I mean, again, and that's, that's, that's one aesthetic, so to speak. There can be more formal, you know, approaches that, and I can do them because I come out of the theater, so I can be, I can hit every period and exclamation point easily if I, if, if, you, if that's if you what want it, to, if that's what it's about. But if you're going for truth or reality or realistic behavior, you know, if it's, re it is real when it happens like that, what happened between John Corbett and that girl was real because it happened for real, you know, so it's not, there's nothing, uh, it doesn't feel, it feels, to me, it brings me closer as an audience because it's so authentic, the behavior. Did you watch Birdman? Loved it. Masterpiece. Right. That's awesome. But when you watch what Edward Norton's character is going through, you might right. imagine you could, totally. you can relate, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. In that chase. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that movie is extraordinary. I, you know, most things I watch, I can fantasize a version that I could pull off. I could shoot. I could shoot. I could direct that. I could make that. Maybe not as genius, but I could get it. I could get it into the ballpark. That movie, I'm like, I don't think I would have touched it. <laughs> well, no, I it never would have occurred to me how brilliant. And then someone explained to me what a theory on it recently that about uh, everything happening within his mind within that second, um, which I didn't quite realize, even though I've seen it twice. Yeah, I mean, I think you could take a lot of different vectors to but figure out what I'm, that's. I'm going to watch it again with that in mind. Um, me too. I will too. But I did, you know, you watch um, 
I I look at actors and I'm um um I'm always amazed when I I understand completely what you're saying about directors sometimes feeling. I don't know if it's, I'd say it's in, intimidated, but I do know like the first time when I directed Michael Douglas and the first day. What was that? That it was called Solitary Man, this movie with Michael oh, yeah. and Susan Sarandon. Um, and uh, Jesse Eisenberg, Mary Louise Parker. And I remember the first day, um, Michael took pains to like uh, encourage us to. But you know, y- you do, um, when you approach, initially you think you have to have the answer. Of course, all the actor really wants is you to engage. Exactly. Engage and be present. Right. And pre- listen. Right. And then see what better idea shows up and right. chase down that idea. Right. Absolutely. Um, and I guess what the filmmakers just want is to know the actor is actually prepared and coming from a place of pre- preparation and thought as opposed to um, whim. That's right? the thing with me is that it's all about preparation. And I can show up and do it exactly as is intended or I can make it better, not by my standard, by everyone's standard. Because for me, if if one person tells me it's not working, I'll go, okay, well, here's why I think it's working. But if two people tell me it's not working, I'll go, okay, let me try it your way. You know what I mean? I it's like, because eventually the, what, if, if you just open yourself to what it wants to be, it's that, it's that, you know, not to be pretentious, but that Michelangelo, um, quote about and I, I kind of tweeted about it the other day ironically about how the 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 shape of the the image is already within the you're stone. releasing it from yeah. the stone yeah. yeah you're you're just carving away the stuff that shows you the thing that's there that yeah. he saw um the other thing about you know the you know direct when i direct i i get on the set i'm not on a monitor i'm literally right there as close as i can possibly get to the action so that everything so that there's a, a kind of a um a sanctity to the to the to the fray, you know, and I think that's very important. And I don't know why Quentin does that. Of course he does. Any, I I would say I, not everyone, but only any real director to me does that because when they're when there's someone's a hundred yards away and they're yelling across a room to be you know quiet, you know, more be more intimate or whatever the direction they want to give you. As an actor, when you hear that, you're and you're having this trying to be vulnerable and intimate with someone and a hundred yards away someone's arcing a thought across the room you know it you just it pulls you out of it um no you're right you feel it when you're in even in a, i've been we've been auditioning a lot of actors and you know you do feel the difference when you're there and leaning forward and yeah. really giving your open giving this open thing to them to right. have this experience happen right. it does allow for like um it, it allows them to Give it the best shot. Be of being creative being and present present. is incredibly hard to do. Well, yeah, I mean Soderbergh. You know, as you know, he shoots his own movies. I, so which I would. I've I've shot. I've convinced people here and there to let me shoot little moments. But what I mean by that, just for people, is he operates no, the camera. Yeah. And I know you know, but he 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 will actually be holding the camera on his own shoulder or looking through it on the dolly. Not only is he lit the thing because he's the cinematographer also and director, but he's right there, and that gives. I mean, it makes an actor feel. Well, yeah, like you're you're one, and and what's cool is because he's the filmmaker and because he has such a great eye, he's following whatever he wants to follow in that moment. So if I happen to scratch my head in nervousness or frustration at that moment, he can p- kind of tilt down into a close up of my hand and then tilt back up, and you know that that kind of uh, painting in the moment is is you know I, what I what I love about movies yeah great cinematographers can do that too and it's obviously you, ch- you know and, and then some people get it Michael Mann gets it by shooting so much that he'll find a way to capture those like little moments of life when you stop 
in a way, when you stop acting, almost, absolutely. Right? I mean, you know, Tony Scott um, would set up three cameras always uh, on dollies as far away from you know, in two, three hundred millimeters everywhere. You never knew whether he was in a two shot, a wide shot, a single. You never knew. So. No one was acting, you know, everyone was just kind of, and, and because the cameras were so far away, right. you didn't have any sense of the artifice. He has also doesn't, uh, he didn't, uh, you know, do the clapboard at the front of the scene because that kind of artificial interruption, you know. Yeah, well, you start to think about that stuff, about how certain times you can just, in the right kind of scenes, like, there's no reason to yell bark action you know there's ways you can just like let people be start their behavior clint all the time well, i know yeah clint gus van zandt lots of these people and you try to i think all of us try to pick it up but how when how do you adjust because i always think about this when i'm dealing with you know okay um you show up on the day and you don't really know um the first few days of something right like uh okay which actors are better when they're improving, which ones how do you manage it when it brings you into conflict? Or when I, it, I, I mean, to, what do you do? I, How do you first, do that? I try to find out as much beforehand. So, for instance, I just directed this show called The Fosters. I have a week to prep. I'm around the set. I'm hanging out. I'm getting the gossip. I know who's going to show up unprepared. I know who can't put two lines together. I know who's going to be over the top. I know, I know everything so that I've already kind of have an awareness of it. So when I get on the day, I know, A, when I plan it, the way I either structure the sequence of shots or the way I ask the AD to structure the day, it will be conscious of the fact that I'm going to have to spend more time with this person. So, because I don't want them ever to feel that I'm worried about them or concerned that they're not going to, because obviously they're scared right. and they don't realize that prepping is the key to being, it's, you know, it's funny with me with prep. I, I have never, ever, ever not shown up 150% prepared. You mean could, as an actor? As a director, as an actor. But as an actor, you'll show up having the lines. Totally. Even if you disagree with them. I just don't want to understand. Either I've talked to them before and they've changed or I will learn them as is and then have alternate suggestions, you know, that, I, as, that I'll learn as well. Um, but you could do anything to me and I wouldn't be able to, and I, and, and I could keep going with the scene. But every day, I've never not done this for years, 30 years. Yeah. Every day before I learn those lines, I have this anxiety that I'm not going to be able to do it. And I said to myself, well, why are you anxious? You've never not done it. But somehow that anxiety is what motivates me. But by the time I get to work the next day, I'm so calm because it's all done. I've done it so many times. I know it so well that when everyone's got that anxiety or that one or two actors who don't learn their lines and have, and you can tell they're so free and they're yelling and this one's pissing them off and that one pissed them off and the someone's talking over there and all these things that doesn't phase me because I want it all. I want all that. I want to hear the thing over there to make me turn so that I turn back and see, you know, I want to be as present as possible. You want to, you want to be alive. Yeah. And so, and, and you're actually comfortable in, because you've prepared, you're comfortable if you know, metaphor, if like the grenade goes off, if there's a problem, if you, even if you're arguing with the EP of a show, it's actually not going to. Uh, it's not going to knock you off. It's like Macken. It's more McEnroe-ish. Right. You're able to use it as fuel somehow. Yeah, it definitely. And and people think it's easy for me. People think, oh, you you know, you're one of those guys who just has it easy. But it, they don't realize I've killed myself to get there. You mean you've killed yourself uh, to for be all that, these to years be, to be present, to be prepared, so that I can be present. Because I can't be present if I'm not prepared. Prepared by learning the lines, by thinking about the character. First by understanding and interpreting it, then by learning the lines. Were you somebody who was good at school when you were Awful. young? Awful. I, I was a disaster. I didn't, 
I didn't even go to school much after. Yeah, you look over. I'm looking at your daughter, but yeah, real is that true? Yeah, so you were a disaster. Bad. Yeah, I took a GED and I. Uh, well, well, anyway, I took a GED. <laughs> no, right, but I'm saying you weren't. Uh, did you know that you were smart? I thought I was smart, um, but I had uh, self-esteem issues because I wasn't doing well in school. That's what I'm wondering about. But somewhere in me, I knew I was smart because I'm an autodidact. I'm really well-educated, but so it's you, all on my own. Right? Would you read? So you would even then. You would like read your own not stuff then. you were interested in, or not no? Until I was not until I started out on the road to being an actor, right. an artist, and I had to learn what it meant. A, either I had to learn about some subject that was being discussed in as a character or in text, or an, or if it was a period piece or whatever, that opened up the the world of learning. That's awesome. So you, yeah, yeah I, I sometimes talk to people and. Um, like young people will start asking questions or they'll ask a question that, you know, you'll go speak somewhere and they'll ask a question and you can see a couple of people on the panel will like reference movies. And if I see that they're not writing down the movies people reference or the books, I, I always say, well, why are you he-? like, right? This is your chance, right? This is the way we all talk to each, everybody. We all talk to each other by, have you read, you know, you've read that or you've watched that thing or you've listened to that piece of music for sure. The and references. You, you right. have to chase that stuff down to build yeah, sort of uh, stuff to measure against, right? Right, absolutely. And then to build your own craft and, and then to you know figure out what it is, how you want to work and what you want to do and the different your, approaches and yeah. styles. And, um, you know, mine's evolved uh, for sure. So you, you said the, the road to being actor. The story that I've read and I, it, it, is that the way, you know, you went to see a movie, you went to see Grease, and you That's came true. out and you said, I'm going to be an actor. Totally. Well, Never I, thought about you? it. 15. I never thought about it. And uh, something, there was like a little epiphany. And uh, I was like, I knew I couldn't work a desk job or do anything like that. And uh, there was something about the f- level of fun that John was having at Travolta. And uh, uh, I was like, I can do that. You know, or, or, yeah, I, I thought I can do that. Um, had you, but had you had like a secret voice inside you at any point that was like, I can, I'm different or I'm special or like I'm, in other words, I, I get having that moment of blinding, like ah, but I'm wondering what the what was building up inside of you before that. I mean, I'm sure there were narcissistic precursors to my persona, <laughs> but in this regard, I'm thinking more about how uh, the, the joy of expression was sure. a part of me early on. You know, I used to before I started playing drums when I was very young, and uh, I used to. Me and my my friend and I would tell the teacher like during the holidays we were like in second grade that we had permission to go from each class to play, so we, he would come with a guitar and I played drums and neither of us could play either and but we would walk into these classrooms and Perfect. say oh we have permission from the principal and then and we'd get away with a couple classes before they would realize so yeah you were acting already totally but you liked that stuff in other words there was a part of you that liked performing or liked engaging in like being playing something yeah it's I I think expression is the word. It gives it. There's something, you know, uh, euphoric, a spiritual. Yeah, were, were there a lot of examples in your life of people who were artists who no, were no, living no, that no, life? No, no, not in the slightest. Not anyone. Your parents were had regular jobs. Regular, totally. Yeah. And did you start telling people you were going to be an actor? From the minute I walked out of the movie, I said it to my friend as if I had always planned it. I was like, you know, I'm going to be an actor. Oh, He's like, great. I didn't know that. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> that's awesome and again there's something about that because that became then I even out in the world would lie that I was an actor before I was an actor and I think in a way that was uh, that kind of visualization some kind of visualization process of believing it I believed it 
then it became a reality. It's an incantation. It is. It, yeah. No, I mean, it's especially at that age, as a teenager, right. it's a real incantation totally. to, to future, uh, a, you know, it's a calling to yourself to uh, chase this thing down if you're then willing to do what it takes. Like, what step? What did you do? At that well, what's point? interesting, it's a good point you make, because it took me a long, long, long time to realize how hard you have to work for that vision to come to reality. But I, pers- I got on the road, and then I kind of struggled through the early years trying to figure out until I realized, oh, you have to work hard. Oh, you have to work harder than anyone else. And, you know, you have to, you have to know what you're doing. Um, you mean you were struggling those years when you were getting like uh, guest shots on TV shows before? No, be- way ha- before that even, you know, in the early, early years of start, you know, living, you know, really, I was like a PA gopher in off, off, off Broadway shows, just trying to understand the world, taking classes, but not really kind of taking a class once a month and then not going. And then right. it took me a couple of years to kind of go, oh, you know, I just thought, oh, you want to be an actor, you're an actor. That's it. I didn't think you really had to right. become an artist. And, it, and uh, you know, I, I started, eventually I became, an, I started to become an artist. Did you see a particular person or show or director that made you know, like, how did you suddenly, how did you realize, okay, I'm going to be this thing? Because clearly you never wavered that you're going to be an artist from the moment you said, like, I'm going to be an artist. You didn't waver, but what? Well, I said I was going to be an actor first, yeah. not an artist. An artist came later. How? What made what? What did you see that made you go? Oh, if I want this, I have to now turn myself inside out. Well, starting to see quality work come out of people, but starting to watch movies with a, a sense of a, a, um, you know, knowledge about learning about reading about them, understanding what what art was vis a vis movies, and um, and when I started to understand it and. W- I started to see what I liked, what turned me on, what kind of performances, Robert Duvall, Dustin Merrill, yeah. you know, seeing these performances and going, oh, that, that, that incredible truthfulness and command um, and conviction, you know. So how do you get that? And uh, I had a, a major breakthrough uh, about four years in or so, five, four or five, no, maybe even like five, five or six years in. But so I started to work in the theater, but I was really doing bad, weird plays in the middle of nowhere, and and but getting a lot of great experience. But I read this book called On Acting by Sanford Miser. Yeah, and it was like a light bulb because up to then, all the the mumbo jumbo that goes on in acting classes was kind of going over my head like schoolwork did. But when I understood the idea of the as if, you know. That all I had to do was, okay, so this guy I'm going to play is going to walk into a store and shoot the place up. Okay, so what would it take for me, Rob Morrow, to actually do that? Well, let's say they just killed my mother and my father and my sister in some horrible way. Would it, it probably wouldn't have a problem walking in there and shooting up the place, you know, if they did it or something like that. So that that once I understood how to get my own uh, emotion, my own emotional life into the work, uh, it was like... I understood it, and it cha- everything changed. Then I started to really do good, good work. And because then you actually knew there was a uh, a method that you could prepare by. Absolutely. Before it was a mystery. Absolutely. And then you were able to grab onto ah uh, okay this because there are a lot of different theories about how to do the thing you do for sure. Yeah. And some of them obviously didn't. You would he- read Stanislavsky, or you would read something else, and it right. didn't hit oh, you for right. some reason, yeah. right? Yeah. And then this thing somehow connected and then you can have an insight it's funny you know some would say like it was an instant insight but of course for years you'd probably spent without even consciously doing it like rejecting the other choices absolutely and consciously you know i was definitely trying i was trying i was and i was engaged in the pursuit um 
Did you get good feedback right Like when you started auditioning, was it clear you had something from external force or did you have to keep the flame going yourself? Enough to keep me going, uh, for sure. Um, but it wasn't instant. Um, when the first play I did in high school after I had that epiphany, I got really good feedback. I played Tevye. Well, I played Scrooge in A Christmas Carol. Instant leads, right? Scrooge in A Christmas Carol and then Tevye and Fiddler. And, uh, That's range. Yeah. That's a lot of range. <laughs> and, uh, and I felt really kind of comfortable, and I think I did a, a relatively good version of a 15-year-old playing Tevya. Um, and that kind of, the, also the comfort I felt doing it. Um, did the community respond to you? Like, you know, the this high school community. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the high yeah, school yeah, yeah. Did it change girls your, giving yeah. me the looks. <laughs> did it change your status? No, but did it change your status a little bit? It status a little, for sure. So, yeah, that's, I mean, at that age, that's all the affirmation that You're somebody right. needs, right? right? It's like... Oh, he was robbed. We like him, whatever. Now, oh, wow, you're, you know, hey, yeah, man. Yeah. That's the endorphin thing. It's funny because I had a dad who wasn't a, a good role model. He wasn't really supportive. He couldn't. He just was in his own way. He, in any way. No, no. Great. <laughs> he just wasn't. And that's how you're in New York. He wasn't, he wasn't a good father. Ultimately, we, we, we became friends and, and uh, he passed on a couple of years ago. I'm sorry. But, but, but he wasn't able to give you. He, at all. And uh, my parents were divorced. And I went to live with them for the couple of years where I discovered acting. And um, after he came and saw, so he never was really positive about anything. But after Fiddler, I came home. I, there was like a cast party and I came home and there was a note waiting for me from him that said, uh, every other day, Rob Morrow's my son. Tonight I was Rob Morrow's dad. And that was it. If if I wasn't going to New York to become, because so I went early, man. I'm a 17 when I showed up in New York. But one, that's I, I even remember consciously thinking, got it. That's all I need. Just give me one pat on the back and I'm going. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's an amazing thing. That and it and the power that fathers have, right? Because um, if it was, if I talked about architecture or anything else, I'd be yeah, in architecture right. school. No, I mean the power that they have amazing. to uh, just give you the slightest benediction yeah. at the right moment. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that it's informed your own thought process as a dad. Obviously, you're so very much. connected to your own child, and yeah, it's, yeah. you've you know people respond one of two ways to having a distant father. Right. right. I went the definitely. I wanted to be a great father and a connect hard. A father connected. See, I I grew up with a dad who's. Uh, incredible to me the whole right. time so right. i had this you know i had just an unbelievable like unbelievably supportive environment and yeah. i would see in the kids growing up they would even gravitate towards our family because they knew something nurturing yeah. was going on i think that happens with her you know i think because we're that way we're very it's a very nurturing kind of peaceful and you know relative i mean we and, have our moments and as you every family but as you became uh so as it as it started happening for you um a couple of things. One, did you have an idea of like what the life of the act, when you wanted to do that thing, you were like, John was having fun up there. And as it started, did you have certain expectations about what the life of an actor would be? I just had this, this, this naivete that, that never occurred to me, that it was hard, that a life was hard, that uh, it'd be hard to make a living. It just was like. Wait, wait, did you keep the note from your dad? Yeah. You still have it? Sure. Oh, that's awesome. Absolutely. What a what a beautiful, great thing. I know. And, and as it all started happening, was he still able to support or did it have did it, did it get rough for him when you became like wealthy, successful star? Eventually he came around, but he would he would make <laughs> his little like for instance, this is one of my favorite yeah. stories. When I first so I'd been at the game for ten years when Northern Exposure came yeah. around. Started to make a living for the last four years, commercials, a little movie paying theater where were you living Rob? here in new york in the city yeah and 
starting to get a lot of energy casting directors bringing me, you know, give me special treatment, tell me to come early. And then, you know, just, it, it was definitely like, it was, there was encouragement in the air for me, which is key. And, uh, I get Northern exposure, which was a game changer. Well, yeah, at the time being, you know, the star of a hit TV show, right. it, it was something that everybody watched. It this, even though there was some cable starting, it wasn't like that. It, the world wasn't like, um, you know, cut into these little tiny thin slices. Yeah, I mean, I think we get 28 million people yeah. watching the show kind of thing. You were at the center, I mean, you were at the center of culture. So, yeah, what happened? You got the show. So I got the show and I go up and I, it, it, we didn't do a pilot. We did eight off the bat. It was a summer series. And uh, I can't remember if it was the first season, maybe this, it's probably the second season. I invited, second season was for eight shows as well. I invited my dad to come visit now. Uh, I had a great apartment. I had a car. Like I was like a person. Like you know, for, you know, I was a starving actor for a long time, and uh, it came up and I brought him to the set, which was a sound stage, and it was you know this big, huge Hollywood production, and you know, multiple cameras, and and I'm number one, and uh, he spends the whole day watching. And we get in the car to go home, and I say, "Dad, what'd you think of all this?" You know, because he'd never seen anything like this. I mean, and he's he was a you know a, a you know from post World War II movie kid, you know, from the Bronx. So he loved the movies that you know John Wayne of it all. And uh, I said, well, "What'd you think of it all?" And he said, "You know, it's funny. <laughs> I never I, I never realized how unimportant the actor is in all this." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a terrible bookend to the. <laughs> but it was, G, you know, at that point, I was, I had been in ten years of therapy as well, so there was some perspective on it, and it, as well as on the little kid in me, I'm sure was bruised, but the adult in me was just like, he's so, th he's so what he is that he, he's incapable. He doesn't even realize, you know. Oh, uh, that's really that is a perfect story. And uh, did you invite him back to set again? Sure, he came over the years. And, and as it all, so as that happened, you're filming those eight episodes. Did you know, obviously you knew, hey, number one on the call sheet, I'm the star of a show. Did you have any idea of the rocket ride that you were about to be on? Mm -mm. Even during it, I didn't. Because one of the things was that we were living in Seattle. So it wasn't, I think had I been living in New York or LA, I would have gotten a lot of trouble. I got in a little trouble for sure. But, but I think if I were in the heat of showbiz with what was going on, so, so in a way, was at it, I didn't quite realize the uh, exposure because you would no do twenty two. You mean because you would do twenty two? It's most of the year. I'd drop in L A for a weekend, you know, for two days, and you know, I couldn't get in that much trouble in two days. And, and, and were you when it happened? You you're saying you didn't you didn't lose your head. I lost my head in certain ways, but not in the obvious and not in the sudden way. That's fine. Yeah, know? I mean, I, you can't become quote rich and famous. Yeah, and well, you were rich and famous up. suddenly. As a how old are you? Twenty eight, nine. Yeah, yeah, twenty nine years old, and suddenly this thing that you'd said fifteen years earlier, fourteen years earlier, like that was it. It was stamped in. It would really happen. Yeah, um, you know, and catching your dream in in the way you did that big. Yeah, out of the in a way, I know it took a long time, but in a way. Um, out of the box, your first time as a series lead, and it becomes this giant thing. Had to be this great affirmation, but I'm sure it left you wandering a little bit. And well, inside. yeah, it's like you know, it's a, it's a, it is like a great narcotic. Those combination of fame and and uh, money, and uh, you know, it takes a, I mean, it takes a while to learn how. There are people like the Jack Nicholsons of the world. The, the I mean, Keith Richards would be an extreme, but seem to be able to 
court the edge and be okay, you know, and, uh, I, you know, I don't think I could, I don't think I could ride it as well as those guys. Um, you mean ride being pushing, pushing yourself to the limit in a way while it was going on? Yeah. Like I would have, I would have crossed over, you know. And so you had an aware, did you have sort of a preservation instinct somewhere where you were like, I, I want to do this work. I want to keep doing this work. I want yeah, to because keep the good thing about me and you know, I think the only real, I mean, occasionally a moment of being a, a brat for sure popped up, but very rarely. It was more about the quixotic nature that emerged because I became um, protective of an ideal too much so. That's where the quixotic. I really wonder about that. So, yeah, yeah how long? Because obviously, I imagine those first couple episodes, you're just like saying the words that they wrote, you're doing the thing sort I was of. probably always trying to influence you know I'm always not in a play so much because it's just the nature of the beast although I would you know but 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 when did you recognize there's this ideal this moment being alive present you know making making this thing feel like that this this quixotic ideal and and start chasing it down well I'd already been chasing it down so now I was trying to do it in the context of a commercial endeavor and right. and there were times it was funny because I remember getting this huge fight with Josh Brand who created Northern Exposure and I was probably wrong in, in terms of the realities of making movies and TV but I was young and idealistic and I was screaming it doesn't feel right it doesn't feel right and he just grabbed me and he was pissed because I, I must have been wasting time and he grabbed me by the shoulder and says it doesn't have to feel right and, it, and he's right because one of the great lessons so I got in my contract to watch Daly's bit from the get-go so I get a copy of that for five years I watch daily so I learned so much one of the huge things I learned was sometimes I'll do a scene and I'll feel like the greatest actor in the history of mankind and I'll look at it and it's terrible sometimes I'll feel like the worst actor in the history of mankind and I'll look at it and it's actually kind of brilliant and every variation on that comes up so you never know so the the thing is to stay in it and to not judge it because you don't know. And so Josh was right because sometimes if you're doing the work the way we're taught and it feels terrible, you're using that. And so, yeah, it actually does feel right. terrible. Right, you're but, in it. But Something's happening. That's what the scene needs or Something's whatever. happening in your eyes that you maybe don't know. But the, So then it's important for you to be able to trust whoever's on the other side of the camera. Very important. And that's why you have examples of Marlon Brando coming on the set and take one, he just yeah. tests the director because if take two, he lies to him or something, he's done. You know? Yeah. Brando would say once he works internally and once he would work only externally and if the director missed it, right? This is the legend. If the director exactly. missed it, they were dead for the rest of the exactly. show. Which was a bit, you know, the thing about, you know, I don't know. I always kind of feel like Marlon should have gotten off at a certain point, you know, because there's a sadism involved that yeah. is not... I don't want anyone to have a bad time. Well, know? also, as the person on the other side of the camera, it's both, you know, hearing you talk, I both want to be able to get that performance, have you there doing it, and then I know that I'm being crushed by people telling me I have to make the day, I need to tell the story. In in some way, the person who created it has, if, if they've developed a trust with you, there has to be a moment they can look at you and go, I have it, I'm telling you I have it, we can come over and watch it if you want. Right. Do one more because right. you want to and have fun, right. but I know it's here. And it's that negotiating that stuff is is what makes things amazingly great sometimes, but it's also what makes things highly fraught, right? And highly and can make them tense. And not everybody is comfortable 
right. working on the wire that way. Right, right. Yeah, you got to be. I mean, I love this book. You ever read this book, um, Life on the Wire by Philippe Petit, the guy who walked the World Trade Center? I but I know that's a his documentary. First, but his first book he wrote when he was a kid, and Paul Oster, this great writer, translated it. And it's an amazing yeah. thing about what it takes to walk on the wire huh. and to get comfortable. Right. You're comfortable out on the wire. Absolutely. So you've got to surround yourself with people who are comfortable out on the water. Preferably, but you don't get it a lot. So you have to learn how to be able to take care of yourself because you're not going to be helped. But doesn't that involve, doesn't choosing, in other words, so you, you don't do. choose all the time. Sometimes it's assigned or sometimes you don't know and you say yes and then someone comes on it and, you know, there's all kinds of But problems. I mean, how do you, how do you, as you started to realize what the role of being, like when you decided to go and do numbers and to go do a show like that, did you think to yourself, okay, I'm going to dive into really doing network? Did you say to every did, – did, did you have those meetings ahead of time to go, here's no, how I mistake, work, how do you no, work? No, I should have because it was conf it was a little uh, tough at the beginning more. Um, and the mistake I made was that I asked to be made a producer. I felt that my experience warranted it. I had probably more experience than most people in the heart of that show. Other than Judd. Other than Judd, yeah. and Judd was barely there. You know, right. He was there once a week for a day. You know, he, and you know, I was I was the heart of it at of the course. beginning. Me and Crummels, and uh, I th and they said no, which seemed doctrinaire to me, and uh, uh, I kind of acted as if they had said yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't hear the no. I heard it, but I just assumed, in my naivete, that if I bring something that's good to the game. Because when I would argue with them, when they would say, you've changed the thing, you know, the guy, you said the gun, and the, we need we need three times people saying the gun. Yeah. I'd say, you show me the places where I'm hurting the show. Show me it. Really show me it. And I'll show you the thousand where what I'm doing is helping it. And they would never could prove, they never, you know, there was no, so if if someone would say to me, you're hurting this show, I'd say, okay, but, but... Yeah, but of course that's a taste... You know, it is ultimately like a taste call. It's very hard no, to... No, but consensus-wise, I, I would say, you know, does everyone think... You know, when you look at it objectively, when you step back over it, you know, but there was resentment that because I changed it in the abstract, which bothered me because I don't mind... if I understand if you resent that I change it, but if you, if we can deduce from enough objective sources, meaning people, that it's better or it's equal... Then why are we arguing? No, also there has to be a way, like, um, you know, where you are able to find the right answer, do one for you and one for them, or get it so that it's... it's... Or I check into it too now, like, you know, when I went to do Dennis's show a yeah. couple of weeks ago, I, I wrote uh, some people that I knew I'd worked with them, and I said, what's the deal? I had a feeling it was exactly the way I wanted sure, it to you be, had, he would but be, I didn't yeah. want to show up with, I didn't want to go in there... And then him saying, hey, man, you didn't say and or whatever. It's weird. It is one of my favorite things. Like when so in Rounders, uh, you know, Edward Norton at the time sometimes yeah, would have Edwards, a of course. reputation I mean, as being sort of like challenging some stuff. I've made he's a really someone I I love him. We've worked together. He's uh, amazing. We, we're, you know, we made a couple of movies together and have plans to do more. And Good. we're really close. Um, and. But I, I will tell you, like, one of the, my favorite lines in the whole movie, Edward Improv. Yeah. Um, it's uh, this line where he says, I know you're thinking about snow and pierogies and And uh, we were sitting uh, there and he, we had gotten to the point where we were so comfortable with one another because we had made a decision. It was our first movie that we weren't going to hang on too tight, right. that we had to if somebody, had to be open. The only way to stay yeah. on set on your first movie felt like, okay, really be open with these actors. We're going to learn from them. Every, we, we know a lot about this world. It's all going to be. And... When uh, immediately, if Edward would have an idea, instead of, and you could feel the instinct, this is what, you could feel the, 
the controlling instinct well up in you. Right. I could of wanting to be like, right. oh, I spent I spent so right. much time thinking of this line and right, right. going back and forth. Then you go, okay, hey man, let's 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 bounce five lines back and forth. Yeah, exactly. Can we land on the best one? Right, right. And then, you know, some of the time. We'd have the best line. Right. Sometimes he'd have the best line. Yeah. And when and he improvised very little in the movie, but I would say every one of them is a stone killer. Yeah. And um, it was a great learning experience right from the beginning. Now, Matt said every word as written, which right. was also great. Right. But um, well, it's but, also, the, you know, if the writing's great as it was, you know, it's easier to do that. But when the writing is not great, you know, that's where it's an issue because like if I step on a set with someone's great, I'm not going to mess with something that's great. You know, I mean, you, you know, and, and no, I swear, like, I know Edward goes to the Wes Anderson movies and Edward's made tons of them. Right, he's he's like, told me a million, like, you know, shows up and he's like, well, this is awesome. Right. You know? Right. Um, and it's by the way, what so I, I'm open to it. I understand it. I just know that the 22, like I, you know, know that the 22, hours that someone has to shoot is just very hard for you for them it is for the people right. to all come up to the same but okay we we don't have that much more time and i mean look i've you know you and i met online because uh i mean quiz show is just one of my absolute you know 20 favorite movies of all time yeah great script right i mean paul atanasia just did something amazing there and i just wonder a few things about it you know um i'm sure you've talked about it a bunch but um did you know that you were, you guys were doing something very special when you were making it. Yeah, I don't know, very, but special. You know, um, the tone, the script. First of all, was great at script, so that's rare. Um, the environment was very copacetic and comfortable. You know, because of Bob's, you know, position, stature. You know, he created an environment that was very chill. And uh, for instance, um, the last scene of the show the last my last line of the movie is something like someone says aren't you glad you got television i'm saying we didn't get television television got us and it was a long track along the the all the senators um in front of them in the hearing and it kind of ends on this moment and kind of ends on a close-up of me with this guy and uh we shot it like uh i don't know five seven eight times and Somewhere in my mind's eye, I could sense the stature of the moment, you know, 40 feet wide. And I think I was uh, putting a pressure on myself because of that. And I never felt good about it. And I thought, the last scene of the movie, the last moment of the movie, and uh, I didn't nail it. And I go home and I lay down in my bed at the Stanhope Hotel. And uh, a light bulb goes, I was like, I know how to do it. So I come in the next day and I said, Bob, I know you, this is going to sound, this, this is going to seem crazy, but I think I, I know how to nail that moment. He was like, really? I was like, yeah. I said, all right. He's changed the whole day, set it up again. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So that kind of... Um, and that's what's in the show. Yeah. And, and that's what's in the movie. And uh, I shouldn't say that. I don't know what's in the movie. I don't know what whether they got it from the day before. I don't know. I don't really know. But from his reaction when you did it, it was clear that it was something else. Yeah. Yeah. There was, yes, I brought a little something to it. But that, as I said before, he wasn't necessarily disappointed. I mean, he must have been felt like there was something more to because he because he could easily could have said, "I'm cool. Trust me, I got it." But he felt he there have. was something more to mine. You feel? I like. guess so. So he let me do it. Um, I love that you kept thinking about it. Does that still happen to you often? Um, that you'll like replay? Yeah. The thing and go either. Yeah, I can figure it out, yeah. or yeah, I can't. Or and or if I'm directing, or if I'm acting, 
okay, well, if that color was there, then I need to make sure that that color before or after is this so that it has some kind of you and know, do you dynamic. Have collabor- do you try to find people on the show, show to talk to about that stuff? Uh, yeah, anyone, you know, anyone who, can, who has any authority and who will right. listen. Yeah. But again, in a, for me, I want a copacetic, chill environment. I don't want, anti- I don't want conflict and I don't, I'm, I'm rarely in it, you know, uh, these days anyway. Um, I just, I, it, you know, I just, I, I want, I want an environment where, where the best idea is going to How did, how did you get that part? Did Bob just offer it to you? Did you no, no, campaign no. for it? I, I kind of campaigned a little bit, uh. I auditioned. I sent in a, a a video from Seattle that the casting director helped me do of the scene. They sent me material. They sent me a, a VHS tape of Dick. Um, I got enough in the ballpark to put together an audition. Did the audition. He liked it. Said, you know, would love to read you in person. Came to New York, um, and then met him, and uh, we kind of hit it off right away in terms of what I was doing. You know. So much, a lot of him, he influenced a lot of me unconsciously as an actor, his movie acting style, that stillness, that thoughtful um, strength, uh, all stuff that appealed, that that has appealed to me. Um, And uh, so in a way, because what was funny was when I first, once I got the part, I got it after, uh, that was pretty much it, I think. you came to New York, read with him, spent time with him, and got the part. Yeah, and then he wanted me to audition for. They were auditioning girls to play my wife, and he wanted me to. So he and I would read. He would read like Rafe's part, and I would read my part. But then when I all of a sudden I was acting with him, it was so I would I would crack up because it was so bizarre to be. Oh, it must have been just insanely <laughs> great guy, and he's making those Robert Redford faces, you know. And, yeah, no, that's an incredible moment. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty funny. And did you read Mira in that? Yeah, within that thing, did you know like, oh, that's yeah, she was great. No, I mean, there are so many great actors throughout that whole movie. I mean, even just, you know, Ben Shankman and you and the thing ben at the Shankman, beginning, right. who's like a great actor. I mean, you could tell right then and there because he was, was gonna ba- ask he was a baby and I was like, that guy's got it going on. Oh, you could tell Ben was a real absolutely, thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I love knowing that. He's a he great knows. guy. I've told him so many times. I mean. No, that's really funny uh, scene. And then what did you and Azaria, who's, uh, you know, Azaria and David Pamer, who are both, that was some comedy act. Here's, another, here's a great story with Pamer and I, <clears throat> the famous, famous big scene where, I confront him in the studio on the yeah. on the audience chair as we sit down. I Why would anybody do that? Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I kind of know. It's a great scene, really well written. And uh, Pamer and I finished shooting it. And we knew how important it was, and we we were walking across town at the end of the day. We were shooting in a studio. I think where John Stewart um, shoots his show now uh, was the studio that they had built of the Twenty One set, and uh, we're walking across town, convinced was early on that we're both getting fired that we completely and utterly destroyed the scene both of us apoplectic you watch that scene and it's just great and it's, both of us are really solid and so that's a great example of you know sometimes you don't you know if you're do, if you're doing the work proper some of those horrible feelings are translating into you know, something that's going to be interesting. Well, if you think about it, that's a heavy moment for you. You're doing this thing. You Part of you has to know. You've already had the scene with Scorsese. Part of you has to know as a character that it's a quixotic victory. Right. That the whole thing, that the whole pursuit was quixotic, that it's a Pyrrhic victory. The whole pursuit was a quixotic pursuit right. as a character. So, of course, you're going to feel like you failed because even in this success of bringing down 
Tamer's character, right? You failed, right? Yeah. Uh, like, what we gain? Yeah. Well, and so it is a moment that has a lot of those notes, uh, notes in it. I have to ask you, you know, when you were filming the scene at the Athenaeum Club, yeah, and you're sitting there with Paul Schofield, yeah, were you? Was it hard to kind of like be present when you're in that um, that moment? It's bred for directing, you know, one of the one of the great actors who ever lived. The thing about it is if you're prepared and if you do the work, you're high in that environment. Acting with Paul Schofield, yeah, what was that like? it wasn't intimidating. He is so, the way I try to be with, you know, he was so chill and calm and present that it made me feel safe. And Rafe and I had already established, we established a rapport right off the bat. And it was funny because, you know, Rafe and I would be in the corner between takes like getting into our stuff and Schofield was just sitting there with a pipe smoking and uh and they'd roll camera and he would just effortlessly, effortlessly flow into what he was doing um but it's like I think it's like being an athlete you know uh, when you or a musician when you play with great people you ride their coattails and and it's fun did you learn stuff from watching it from Schofield or was his like was his approach certainly I I clocked his insouciance Right, you know, like and and you know, I was a huge fan of um, a Man for All Seasons' his performance, yeah. and again, that kind of integrity and that stillness and strength and depth of of uh, emotion, uh, and so to watch him doing what he does, to be doing it with him, and for him to be so casually relaxed. Um, was, Could you see how he was a student of people? Because you watch certain moments of his acting in that movie, an older guy who could have been, you know, he. He could have made a lot of different choices, but like there's this one moment in the movie when when he's given Charlie gives him a TV and he he's looking at the box and he kind of like moves the scarf around and you go like you know his behavior just seems so real and it it did give the whole thing you know um, the whole movie the three of you I think have sort of had a different styles that really reflected like the bearing that these three characters were supposed to have it's really well cast I mean yeah, they, they really Bonnie Timmerman cast it and, and Bob. Bob Castle. Did Dick did Dick Goodwin reach out to you after the movie ever? Did you talk after to him? Before, yeah. We went, I went and spent time with him up in Massachusetts before. We had great Did time. you like him? I loved him, yeah. He was great. I mean he's so uh he's such a raconteur and uh he's had so many lives and his anecdotes are you know, he would tell me little casual anecdotes about uh, you know, John J F K or Bobby or Of course. We went he took me to the White House, um he took me around to monuments and um yeah, we were friends for years, for sure. I don't talk to him that much, but I see I saw Doris when she was doing Lincoln. When when yeah, she's uh, obviously done incredible stuff too. Um, when when the movie came out and it and knowing how good it was and it didn't, you know, perform the way it was expected to yeah. perform. Was it was it a heartbreaker for you? You know. It wasn't, it was maybe later a little more when I realized it. It was such a home run for me doing it and being a part of it and seeing it being well lit. I was never lit like that. Michael right on Ballas, television. Right. You know, yeah. And having this great dialogue and this, and this director who made me feel safe and, and who, who encouraged me to be, to, to bring what I bring to the table. And, you know, it, I, there was no downside to it in my mind, but, uh, I didn't. I didn't even quite understand that it mattered. Yeah, I was that young in terms of box office. Like right. I knew it mattered that it would be better if it made more money. But I was like, doesn't you know? But then, as it as it because as I say, as it then gained. Like when did you start to realize? 
oh, this has had major penetration in this society? Like, when did you realize, like, oh, we did do this thing I thought we did? I think right did. away. I think because it was you, oh, critical, really? darling. You know, people launched on. I remember, uh, I think Frank Rich was at the party and who I know, and, and uh, he was all about it, and Charlie Rose was all about it. And I was like, oh, you know, with these guys are, are. But didn't it take a minute before people started throwing quotes at you, or did it happen right away? Before people started, like. Um, yeah, I think it came. It became a little more iconic, maybe over time. Um, but uh, but it was it was uh, received as you know something really worthwhile. Right, and do you think in certain ways did you having done that did was did you decide to shift your focus to movies? For a while, I mean, I know it was a hard, not an easy thing to do. Yeah, it's funny what happened was so. Uh, North Exposure was going into its fifth year and uh, I wanted to make movies and it's fun. it's Redford who I asked he, he's, I said Bob what should I do should should I go into movies he was like yeah you should get off that show and uh, so right, I left you famously the left the show how were you able to leave the show well you know it was more of a they made more of it than the reality of it was um, it was dwindling it was already a hundred. I did a hundred and one of them. And I, I joke that Shakespeare couldn't have written a hundred and one good episodes, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, cause it's a situation of diminishing returns. It's, you know, once you get into those 40 plus 50, you know, you're trying to keep something going for not necessarily artistic reasons. You want to be artistic doing it, but you're, you, you know, it's about cash. Because you get to a hundred episodes now, even just 75 or something. And it's right. a big deal. Right. So that's what was being chased. Wise. And not that I'm opposed to that, but I was young and idealistic still. And so, so um, I had a year, I think maybe half a year or a year left, and I asked, I simply went to the network in the studio and said, you know, I wanted to move on. And they, they never, had you under contract. They had me under contract. I said, I'm done. I feel like I'm done. I don't feel like there's much more I can do here. And I didn't threaten, and there was no threats made. There was a couple of years before there was an argument over money, which was, you know, again, made, more made of than reality. But... Uh, at the end, there was no, it was just, they just, they never said no. You know, Did you, when you went fine. to your agents and said you wanted to do it, they look at you like you were a crazy person? No, because everyone thought I was going to be a movie star, you know, at the time, but it didn't work out that way. Well, these <laughs> things, off, I mean, let, you know. No, I mean, it wasn't in the cards in that regard for me. Um, uh, and, you know, having known that, I might have tried to squeeze every dime out of Northern Exposure. Well, but then but you did get said, the second huge, I mean, that's what I'm saying. You did then. And also because it was more, even though I'm materialistic and like to make money, I'm about the work and, you know, I'm about trying. And, and I think even this has worked against me and on a, I've, I always strive to try and reinvent myself in terms of parts I do. You know, I'm looking, I'm always looking to do something different and sometimes you fail at that. Well, I'm so, sure that's why street time means a lot to you because it's, you it have, that is a Absolutely. character you haven't played a lot. Absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, the, the business rewards the consistent, you know, the Matthew McConaughey of, of, of the world in that, you know, Matthew's always Matthew is, and, and I love him, you know, I love what he does. Uh, I, I thought that the movie he won the award for was deserved. And that was a, that was a, that was certainly a, hard-ass difficult job push emotionally artistically but i mean Dallas Fires, yeah. he's he's you know he's he's what he is um I, right no you look at very few like you know jimmy smith has been able was able to do the thing yeah where he was able to play a couple of really big characters on shows a few different times yeah you i mean you know you, i got a couple up my sleeve now that i'm, that I'm i believe that it I'm well hoping. did you did you hesitate before taking the second show 
I mean, it was your third show, but or fourth. No, what are you talking about? Yeah, did you? No, because uh, A, I needed a job. B, it was shooting L.A. C, it had the Scott brothers. Um, and D, which was probably A, was it was a part I'd never played. And it was, and the idea of trying to pull that off. I mean, I really liked that show for some, I mean, I watched it for you at the time. I think I, maybe I, I didn't really know Nick and Cheryl. Maybe I just met him, but I, I watched the show because you and Kromos were on and I was like, I have to see the two of you. Plus I had done a pilot where I'd cast Navi. Uh, and sweet. so I was like, oh, Navi got another she shot at baby. this. I saw her. In, oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Good. For, yeah. We uh, shot a pilot that didn't go and Navi was in it. And I was like, uh. Uh, really happy that she had gotten, and then I really like thought you guys did good work. I only watched the first couple of years because then I, I went off the was better. Stuff. I think they kind of lost track of the family dynamic, and they and they didn't exploit that. But again, for my money, I wanted them to push it in the Cain and Abel way. I I thought that my character should be screwing Navi in the closet, you know, really, and that we get caught or almost in getting caught, and and they were just like, what? Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> you got to go to cave. I mean, if you want to do that, you got to go to cave. I didn't see necessarily showing it, but implying. But it. you still, I mean, just hearing about this Dennis Leary experience, you still love doing the thing when you get to really do it, right? What do you mean? Acting, making oh shows, being an artist. Absolutely, I, I playing I, your music, like all this stuff. I, I. Uh, yeah, I live for it, and I thrive in it. And I'm, and uh, when I get chances like like the dentist show, it's just like I was like a kid in a candy store. And and in the future, are you going to make sure you are a producer on these shows when you do them? You know, I'd like to say. I mean, most of the stuff I have going on now, I'm a producer on, and uh, I would be very aggressive toward that. Um, I would also be more honest if I felt that it was a show where I wanted to change things. I want. I would want to say. Look, you know, this is the way I want to do it. I want to be able to come in and put it in my own words. I don't want to mess with it. I don't want to change other people's, what their text is. I don't want to change what the scenes are about. But I want to, you know, and I want to weigh in on, on you know, uh, story arcs and stuff like that. But uh, You mean you'd say that going in if yeah. it was, if, if you felt yeah, like if you it was if you want that, then let's go to, let's do it. If not, you know, maybe we shouldn't. But you'd have that conversation ahead of time. Yeah. Right? That's real growth. That's some kind of growth, yeah, isn't no, it? Or awareness of like, of maturity just sure. an awareness of what you Only want to avoid. Because I understand the other point of view at this point. I do understand. You're a director. And, and that just because I'm saying it's right or great, as you said, that doesn't mean anything, you know, especially this is the person who created the show. And, you know, I want my goal as a director, as an actor, as a producer is that everyone has a positive experience. Yeah, you can feel it. I, when I, I've, so over the last few years, I've been asked to act in a couple of movies and I've done it. And uh, I went to do one and they put me in wardrobe. And I, I thought to myself, oh, I don't think the guy would really wear this. Right. And I immediately started becoming a difficult actor. Right. <laughs> and I saw, you know, and I would normally be like, come on, just wear the... And uh, no, I didn't. I, I caught myself because I was like, I'm here for two days. I'm going right. to go play the part and right. be happy. But you can immediately see because you have to own it. And I, it's all people who do what I do, direct and write, should act when they can. Absolutely. Because that's the why Martin, that's second, why Scorsese's in that movie. That's the sole reason. He wants, he said literally, I want to experience what the actors go through. The moment you're on the other side of that and the camera's pointing at you and you have to produce a result, it changes things. It changes your understanding of what, what you're asking people like right. you to do. Right. Um, because that's why the first time I, you know, after I started directing on uh, Northern Exposure, not on the show, but I started making shorts. And, you know, up till then, you know, the first couple of years I was very idealistic. So a director would tell me to do something. And I'd just be like, it doesn't make sense. You know, you know, I was very, very. And uh, 
as soon as I went to direct my first short, it was like a 30 minute film. I storyboarded it out to a T. I knew everything that right. was going to happen. And I get on the set and I said to him, this guy who was playing the part, I said, okay, so you're going to come in the door, you're going to sit there and then you start. He's like, well, I would never sit there. <laughs> And I was like, everyone I'd ever said no to flashed before my eyes. <laughs> so that became the beginning of me being incredibly malleable. Well, you know, empathy is obviously a huge tool that actors have to use. And yeah. so the moment you were able to then see it from the other side, you then have to have some empathy for the directors right. and for those people. Right. At the same time, you're an artist and you have to, I mean, you have to chase it down. I completely see both sides of it. And I understand why. You just have to make the decision ahead of time now. I do find that, that the one, you know, I just did this miniseries that's going to be, I think, one of the great miniseries called Texas Rising. It's coming out in Memorial Day. For who? History. Great. Same guys who did uh, Hatfields. Um, but Roland Joffe directed it. And I'd say, not just me, me, Ray Liotta said this, was in it. Uh, Bill Paxton said it. Um, Jeff Fahey said it. Oh, what a great cast. Chris McDonald said it. Best director they've ever worked with. And, um, you know, he, he wants to see what, you know, when, when Roland was staging these hundreds and hundreds of extras, big, huge thing, he was so calm and he wanted to see what everyone wanted to bring. And he just would, I felt, again, I felt like I could do whatever I wanted and he was going to either help me make it better or shape it. Not like, oh, that wasn't written or, you know, like, like, let's just, cause, cause the, you know, something that I think is very important is that people forget is the screenplay is one process. The shooting is one process, the editing, and they're mutually exclusive. They should have nothing to do with each other. The screenplay should have nothing to do. I mean, so to speak, I'm being, I'm being a little extreme, but when you get on the floor, it's not about what worked on the page. It's what works right now, you know, and that has to be decided. And someone ultimately has to be the authority for sure. And then when you're in the editing room, it doesn't matter what you shot. It matters what you got. You know, oh, you, for sure. That's so, for so sure. I think the they case. really have to be. You know, yeah. you, you throw out the script once everyone has knows it. <laughs> yeah, the. I think you just go in ahead of the way. I, would, I agree with every part of that. That when you're there solving problems on set on the day, you can't be wed to an idea that you had ahead of time. Um, That's it. You have to have a plan. It's good if everybody knows it, and I would say going in ahead of time, if you can rehearse, if you can talk it through. There are things that I, I know that I've written where it's like I'm really aware of why each of these beats need to be hit. Right. And there are moment things that I'm sure um, that on the day I realize, oh, that's redundant. That actor's right. Let's cut that. Let's right. move that to another place. That's the environment that I think is healthy. Again, you have to be so prepared so that when push comes to shove, as it often does, you got to shoot what the plan was. You got to go with the plan, and because the sun's dropping, and we got to shoot one thing, and this I know in my head where you know you got to be able do, to do that. Do you think you've cost yourself opportunities by? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, I think I think certain people have called certain people here and there. Um, I think it's old kind of news, you know. Um, but but there's certain environments, you know. Dennis Leary would 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 you know, to give a love letter to me or Albert Brooks would give a letter or Redford and there's other people. Oh yeah. Mother, you know, brother, if people haven't seen mother, they should really see that movie. The two you guys are so yeah, funny together fun. in that movie. I mean, uh, that but was, I, but, but more so, let me just clarify that. The, I think the reason that if I've cost myself, um, opportunities, it's not so much what I was doing, but the way I did it. And I think if anything, that makes a lot of sense. Maturity has taught me how, because my goal is that everyone has a good experience, not I get my way. That because of that wisdom, you know, 
I think it's it's uh, it wouldn't it's not really that's a such part a smart thing to say. I got to say, I was talking to somebody today about this, which is when you're young or sometimes. I mean, I know I, I would do this too. It's very easy if you know that if you know the outcome has to be you know Z right when you're younger and full of like this sort of like it's almost there's a fear like if I don't really make it get to Z right now it's never getting there right you might just knock a whole bunch of people over because you're like it has to be but if you are confident enough now to know wait we can take we can go through a whole bunch we can go through a process we can talk I can make everyone feel good I'm not moving off of this till we get there I can do it in a way that's gonna make them happy to get there yeah but that it's it's very hard as a young person and 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 I think in the pressure of being the star of a show to 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 do that and and so you feel like even after numbers where you the second time you've you came to a new understanding about how to create this I think as some of the way I handled again I don't think what I was doing or, or or my reasons or what it was ultimately yielded was bad but I think the way I went about it probably was was made other people feel less safe and um, less heard what an incredible testimony to what you do though that like even despite that everybody just wants to work with you because you do in the end deliver such great stuff yeah and and all, well thank you um, also because I mean not me I'm scared to death but I'm saying every, no, no I mean, I'm but kidding. it's like it's of course, in a way it, 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 you know it, I mean I just it's, I just if I, I shouldn't keep put myself in, into environments where or if I do put myself in an environment where I can't do what I do I gotta just know it and get through the day because there's times where I've, where I've done that and you know TV movies I've taken for a paycheck and something and I know it I'm not gonna I know what it is I'm not gonna try to you know Right. Well, you can't. You gotta. You can't do that anymore. Anyway, right. there's no. There's no need for you to take a TV movie for a paycheck, Rob Morrow. Oh, there is. Trust me. <laughs> oh, come on now. That's ridiculous. Don't. That's that's too. That's ridiculous. You are uh, coming. At, when is the Dennis Leary thing going on in the air? Uh, the summer. Good. I mean, come on, man. Sell a house first. <laughs> um, that's uh, that show. By the way, I just have a one. Uh, yeah. guest Spot. But I. But I think the kick part may come back. It's you did. Oh, you did one episode. Yeah. On. yeah. Um, and are you making plans now to do TV movies? What's next? I have. I'm producing. I'm executive producing a, a big sci-fi mini for sci-fi, which is really cool, based on these three books. One, the first one won the Hugo Award, called Spin, Robert Charles Wilson. Oh. Um, I may act in that. I may direct some of it. Um, I'm readying a very cool show with Harvey Weinstein and Neil LeBute that I'm really most excited about that's a half hour kind of uh neil's gonna write and direct you're gonna star in it exactly fantastic yeah oh that'll be very easy to set up that's great i think we'll set it up i mean i hope we can it's so it's based on a a real doctor in new york but we're fictionalizing it but he's part he's a consultant on the show um and uh i'm very excited about that has neil written written the pilot yet i I was supposed to get a script today now that i uh, oh that's fantastic (laughs) man Good. So those things are in the offing. And if your if your daughter decided she wanted to get into the arts, how would you feel about it? She's already on her way. Um, she's uh, very talented. And what I said to her was because she wanted to start auditioning early on, yeah, you know, when she was eight, nine, and stuff. And I was like, "You're not going to be a Disney kid." I said, and I said, at that point, I was like, well, "You know, if you're 18, you can start auditioning." But because she became so passionate and because I saw the desire was real. It wasn't, you know, uh, I said, Oh, look, you want to be an artist and you want to develop a craft and a soul. I'll help you. Um, but it's a long journey and I'm not putting you into the, I'm not getting you an agent and you're not going out into that world. But so she started taking serious Meisner classes in LA 
um, started doing plays in, in school, started very disciplined, three times a week dancing, taking voice lessons, music lessons, very committed to it. And uh, uh, let her have her first audition last year, and she just went on her second. But the reasoning was this. Um, you know, some friends of ours are big casting directors, and they're always like, she's so pretty and, and personable. That, you know, they're always asking. We were like, no. But uh, there's a movie that Vigo made that's called Captain Fantastic, one of the best scripts I ever read about this family living off the grid. And I thought it would have been such a great life experience. It was shooting yeah. during the summer. They were going to live the life. They were going to go for three weeks, the cast, and, you know, live off the grid for to get, you know, it was, and it had such a sweet, heartfelt message that I thought, well, this, I don't want to be Dr. Nair. If, the, you know, this could be great for her. And so we let her audition for that, but she was too young. And uh, she just auditioned for the casting director of The Fosters, this TV show I directed, um, because I want to let her get some experience. I just don't, I, you know, because we talked about fame and fortune being a bad cocktail, you know, childhood acting is, is it's almost impossible to make it through. If you're successful, it's a demon. If you're a failure, it's a demon. And also the way what they teach, the way they teach kids to act is kind of antithetical of what it takes to be an adult. I'm auditioning actors, now, kids, and, and uh, the ones who are pro, right. quote unquote, are the worst. Right, exactly. Because it's just um, mannered and fake. Right. And it's very rare that you find somebody who's great. Like Kid and Looper was incredible. Ryan yeah, Johnson's absolutely. Movie. But yeah. it's really rare that you find kids who are great. That's uh, Yeah, that makes total sense. But, but as far as the lifestyle, as she prepares and does her work and gets older... You feel like there's still a way to do great work in this, and why not do it? Yeah, I feel like if you want to be an artist, you know, let's let's pursue that. I don't know, you know, I have nothing invested in her, but for me, it goes back to what I was talking about before. The joy of expression is so is such a gift and such a kind of spirituality to it, especially with music. Um, that I want her to have that, regardless of if she goes into the business. She's certainly moving toward that. But um, well, whatever she ends up doing, don't show up at her place of work ever and say, uh, <laughs> I didn't realize how unimportant you are. And then I think you'll have done incredibly well. I'm the opposite guy. It's clear that you are. I just see how you look at her. And it's beautiful, man. It's like uh, warming my heart. Rob, Thanks. Rob Morrow. Thank you. Your work has brought me such joy. You're and so sweet, and I appreciate all your, your kind words about me. Thanks, dude. This has been great. Um, if Hey, if you want to follow Rob, he is on Twitter at, what's your Twitter name? Uh, Rob Morrow, um, and there's a, a, a underscore, I guess, at the end. Rob Morrow. You just do Rob Morrow. Official, no, official Rob Morrow is Instagram, and Rob Morrow, um, I have a check mark. There's a check mark, so you can find it. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian Koppelman. Um, and thanks for listening. Rob Morrow, thanks for being here. And if anyone out there has not seen Quiz Show, just go see Quiz Show, like today. Watch the movie. All right, thanks, Rob. Thank you. See you. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on Podcasts.